This time the children can be dismissed at Children's Church. Is that accurate? All right. They're itching. Let me ask you a question. How do you know what something is worth? How do you determine that? Take, for example, the price of a house. Is it worth what it's listed for? That's debatable, right? Not necessarily. It's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it, essentially, right? That's what it's worth. Let me ask you this question. How do you, how do you know what Jesus is worth? How do you know what his value is? What is he worth to you? No, in this case, it's certainly possible to undervalue Jesus. Sadly, we do it all the time in our sin. But how do you know if you really value him properly? What are some characteristics of a heart that truly knows and values the treasure of Jesus Christ? It's the answer to these kinds of questions that we're after this morning in our text. So let's go there now. Please turn with me to John eleven fifty-five. We're going to read through chapter twelve, verse eleven. If you need to use a pew Bible, you'll find today's text on page ten sixty-seven. And once you're there, I invite you to please stand with me out of reverence for the Word of God and follow along with me as I read. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that you, or so that she, may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, Many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, 
The psalmist tells us that your words are to be desired more than gold. They are sweeter than honey. May your spirit work through your word in such a way to open up the eyes of our hearts to the matchless treasure of Jesus this morning. And pray these things in his name. Amen. You can be seated. So John tells us that the Passover feast is drawing near. The feast that commemorated God's deliverance of the Jews from slavery in Egypt. And more specifically, it remembers how God passed over the Israelites. That night, when he took the lives of all the firstborn males in the land of Egypt as an act of judgment, he passed them over when he saw the blood of the lamb spread on the doors, a lamb that died in place of the firstborn. We'll remember that John uses Jewish feasts and festivals to tell us something about Jesus all throughout his gospel. And the Passover feast is is the climax of John's gospel in revealing Christ to us. Remember that John identifies Jesus early on in his gospel as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We're about halfway through John now first half reveals Jesus' identity through his public ministry of about three years. But the whole second half of John's gospel covers just six days. The whole second half of the gospel is just six days and the events immediately following. This is John's way of of saying something important is coming. The days leading up to the Passover uh, are important to John. In John 12, verse 1, we see here in our text that, that Jesus came to Bethany six days before the Passover. John's saying, get ready. Something big is coming. coming. The countdown has begun. We learn in the first book of the Bible that God created the world in six days. Well, these six days, God would set in motion the ushering in of a new creation in these six days. Now in verse 55, he tells us there were many Jews who made the trip to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. There was, there was buzz in the air about Jesus. Will he dare to show his face? There's after all a, a warrant out for his arrest. Our text today concerns an illegal dinner party with a fugitive as the guest of honor. Jesus had recently raised his friend Lazarus from the dead in the previous chapter, and now he and his sisters, Mary and Martha, are honoring him with a dinner. Now John is going to highlight one memorable event at this dinner party with two contrasting responses. One being that of Mary and the other being that of Judas. And the difference between their responses is the value they place on Jesus. Mary sees Jesus as beautiful and her heart and her actions correspond with the treasure that Jesus is. And on the other hand, Jesus or Judas only sees Jesus as useful, a means to an end. 
and his heart and his actions contradict the treasure that Jesus is. So what does it look like to truly understand the beauty and the worth of Jesus? We get a picture here. Let me show you four ways in our text that Mary loved Jesus because she knew his worth. The first is extravagant love. Mary's love was extravagant. Verse 3 tells us that she took a pound of expensive ointment and used it to anoint the feet of Jesus. What made this ointment so expensive? For one, its origin. The plant that the extract came from was grown in India. This is an import from the East. We're told that it was pure. The word here also means genuine or faithful. In other words, this was no knockoff Dollar Tree imitation. This is the real deal. It's also expensive because of the amount. A Roman pound, probably uh, contained in a container about the size of a, of a soda can. And in verse 5, Judas estimates the value of this ointment to be 300 denarii. One denarii was the equivalent of a daily wage. So factoring in no work on the Sabbath, this was worth an entire year's wage for a worker in Jesus' day. A year of salary. And Mary anoints Jesus' feet with it. She doesn't just dab a little bit on his wrists and waft it into the air. She takes the best, most extravagant, expensive ointment and pours every ounce on Jesus. This is shocking. Consider how lavish this was. A year's wages gone in a moment. In an extravagant expression of affection for Jesus. This is a demonstration of love by someone who knows the worth of Jesus. Someone who's tasted his grace. Jesus has, has brought her brother back from the dead he is the resurrection and the life. And so she reaches for the most lavish thing she could think of to express the inexpressible. A heart that corresponds with the worth of Jesus. There's really no measuring the true worth of Jesus. You couldn't possibly put a heart on a scale and calculate the limit of how much affection would be a, the appropriate amount, as if to say, this much and no more. There's no way we can measure it. One of my favorite verses is a short verse in, in, in Matthew 13, where Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a treasure hidden in a field. When a man finds it, he goes and in his joy sells everything he has to have that field and to possess that treasure. This is another thing that I love about this story is that no one tells Mary that she should do this. There's no command. Jesus doesn't demand it. And she doesn't do this half-heartedly. No, she does this in her joy and on her own as an overflow of her heart overwhelmed by the beauty of Jesus. Now, the contrast with Judas is stark here. Mary does what she does because Jesus is beautiful, but, Jesus, but Judas' heart reveals 
that he only sees Jesus as useful. In other words, Jesus was a means to get something that, Je- that Judas loved more than Jesus. John tells us he was a thief who used to help himself to the money bag. This means that Judas was only close to Jesus for what he could get from Jesus. Let this be a sober warning to all of us. What benefit is there for us today for appearing to be close to Jesus? Maybe you're single and you're lonely and there's there's a cute guy or gal out there. You need to impress them. By, by appearing to be spiritual, by appearing to love Jesus. So you go through the motions. You say the right stuff. I mean, to think of Judas. By all outward appearances, he was, a, he was one of the twelve, right? How can we look spiritual when we have uh, ulterior motives as well? What might those be? Maybe uh, you crave recognition and, and status. Today we open up uh, elder nominations. Maybe you, you, you pursue a position out, out of a need to, to have status, to have a, a position, to get recognition, to get respect. Maybe appearing to be respectable and good with finances is a way for you to get close to the church's money, just like Judas Maybe you believe that if if you do enough good, if you memorize enough Scripture, if you believe more fervently, then you can somehow bend the will of God to give you health and prosperity. That's not loving Jesus. That's manipulating Him to give you what you really love more than Him. The point is that if there's anything in your heart that you love more than Jesus and you claim to follow him, you're not following him, you're using him. One way to diagnose this is to examine the attitude you have towards the stuff in your life, your time, your money, your possessions. Do they, do they serve you to make you more comfortable? Or do you consider the fact that all that you have belongs to Jesus? How can you use them to bless him? Pastor Tim Keller tells a story of a married couple he knows who both work very successful jobs. They make really good money for what they do. And they determined that because they love Jesus, want to do all that they can to advance the kingdom of God, that they would only live on one of their salaries and they would give the other away. That's lavish. That's extravagant. And when their family got word of what was going on, they flew in from around the country and they had an intervention to talk some sense into them. What are you doing? What are you doing? Their family felt that their devotion to Jesus was too extreme, too fanatical, and I'm sure that this is how Judas felt about Mary's act here. And I think that it was in this moment that Judas realized that Jesus was no longer useful to him. If Jesus would defend this woman and her over-the-top, irrational devotion, then he no longer served Judas' self-interest. 
And in Mark's gospel, it's right after this event that he records, the parallel event, right after this is when Judas decided to cash in on Jesus, selling him out to the chief priest for 30 pieces of silver. That's what Jesus is worth to Judas. In the Old Testament, 30 pieces of silver was the amount the law required that should be paid to someone if your ox caused the death of another person's slave. 30 pieces of silver. That's what Jesus was worth to Judas. Maybe knowing the beauty of Jesus will cost you a relationship. I know a guy who before coming to Christ, was an atheist. And his wife was not too happy about his decision to follow Christ. And eventually it led to an ultimatum that she gave her husband, choose Jesus or me. You can't have Jesus and have me. And he chose Jesus. Because he knew the worth and the beauty of Jesus. When Mary chose that extravagant display of affection, it was her way of shouting from the rooftops that Jesus is worth it. That Jesus is worth it. How does your life show others that Jesus is worth it? Next, Mary's love was humble. Notice that she pours this expensive ointment on Jesus' stinky, Dirty feet. How do I know they were stinky and dirty? Because he was human. And in this time, in those days, when you walked most places on dirt roads wearing sandals, this is how it was. But why his feet? This was a demeaning task, one that in Jesus' day you would not even ask your Jewish servants to do. So what would compel Mary to do this. When you are in the presence of Jesus and you truly understand who he is, it's humbling to know that you don't deserve his favor, but he lavishes it upon you anyway. It's humbling. This is the effect when you come to know the goodness and the power of Jesus. In Luke 5, after following Jesus' command that resulted in a record catch of fish, Peter falls to his knees and says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter was humbled by the goodness and by the power of Jesus. And so it is here with Mary when it comes to the goodness of Jesus, dirt and foot odor are no longer beneath her. Her hair is the most beautiful thing she had But if it would serve to magnify Jesus, then it was her honor to use it as a rag for his feet. Because the lowliest part of Jesus is worthy of the best that she could give. Let me ask you, have there been opportunities to serve Jesus that you've passed over because you felt they were beneath you? Maybe it's changing diapers in the nursery or serving goldfish snacks to children or washing dishes after a church meal. 
be humbled by the presence of Jesus, knowing his goodness and his power. Let's move on to the next point here. Knowing the worth of Jesus made Mary's love unself-conscious. Understand that in this culture, for a woman to let her hair down in public was a disgraceful thing to do. It would bring the shame and the scorn of society on a woman. But for Mary, knowing Jesus' worth made the opinions of others fade away. She didn't care anymore what other people thought of her. It only mattered what Jesus thought. This is like when you can see all the stars in the dark night sky, but once the sun rises, they all fade away because of the greater light of the sun. So it is with Jesus. When we truly see and know his beauty and worth, suddenly all the opinions of others just fade away in the light of his beauty and his glory. And only what Jesus thinks of you matters at that point. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that freeing? There's an episode in King David's life in 2 Samuel 6 when the Ark of the Covenant is being brought back to Jerusalem, uh, to the tabernacle, and David, overwhelmed with, with joy, celebrates by dancing in public in his undergarments. Later, his wife calls him out for being undignified, David responds by saying, essentially, you haven't seen anything yet. When it comes to the Lord, I don't care. I don't care if I look like a fool to the world. And this was Mary's attitude. She didn't care what others thought because only what Jesus thought mattered. May we be more free in our worship to express our affections to Jesus Just don't anyone start taking your clothes off. That's where I draw the line. Maybe to talk about Jesus at work or school could make you a social outcast. I'm not even talking about your faith. I'm thinking more of just freely expressing how good the Lord is, right? What if people knew where you worked, where you go to school, that you love Jesus? May knowing Jesus' worth cause the opinions of others to fade as the stars in the sky at the rising of the sun. May your love for Jesus be bold. And lastly, Jesus' worth caused Mary's love to be attractive. At the end of verse 3, we learn that the blessing of this act of, of Mary's exceeded the act itself. The whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And notice the connection. Mary exalts Jesus, and others are blessed by the act. This adds further irony to Jesus' objection that money could have been used to bless others, the poor particularly. In Jesus' mind, there's no conflict here. When we give him the place of prominence in our lives, it is ultimately good for all of those who know us and all those who come into contact with us. Knowing Jesus' worth motivates our love for others and especially for the poor. Mary's brother Lazarus is another example of this. We learn in verse 11 that because of him, 
And the work that Jesus did in his life, many of the Jews were believing in Jesus. It's worth asking yourself, is your love for Jesus a blessing to others? I have a friend who used to work in a group home for adults with developmental disabilities. He loved his job. He was very good at it. But Phil was also very open about his faith. It wasn't a, he wasn't allowed to initiate conversations about his faith, but if a resident brought it up, he could talk about it. That was okay. But for some reason, it, it kept coming up with the residents, and he would love to talk about Jesus. One day, Phil's boss called him in and began by praising Phil for the good work that he's doing. The residents love Phil. But then his boss said, you know, Phil, you need to tone down talking about Jesus, though. Uh, you, you need to dial that back a little bit. Maybe just leave Jesus at home when you come to work and, you know, let that be how it is here. I love Phil's response. He said something to the effect of, you know, I don't think you want me to do that. And curious, his boss asked, why not? And Phil explained to his boss that, Everything good about me is because of Jesus. And if I leave Jesus home, all these things that you see me, being a good employee and, and good at, at my job, those, I wouldn't be as good at my job if it wasn't for Jesus. Everything good about me is because of Jesus. And back to our text. Well, while their love for Jesus was a blessing to many, not everyone was happy about it. The chief priests now see Lazarus as a problem, and they plot to kill him too. Notice they're really getting desperate at this point. And besides their, their behavior, uh, their behavior is what you would expect from, from thugs and dictators, not very becoming of high priests. But this is what we've seen so many times in John's gospel. Jesus was divisive. Some genuinely believed while others wanted to kill him. And we should expect nothing less if we are to follow Jesus. Some will be attracted to Jesus. Some will be repulsed by it. And that's how Christ was. So we shouldn't be surprised if that's how it is when we follow Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, Paul calls the believers there the aroma of Christ. To those being saved, we're a fragrance from life to life. But to those who are perishing, we're a fragrance from death to death. And you see this increasingly in our culture today, where Christians are scorned for our faith in Jesus and for our values, calling good evil and evil good. But we're not to be discouraged when the world hates us because it hated Jesus first. Paul tells the Galatian church, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. One final point in closing. I've been proclaiming all morning that Jesus is worthy, but what makes him worthy? We see it in, in John 7 here, chapter 12, verse 7. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it 
to the day of my burial. I believe that Mary knew that Jesus' death was drawing near. Jesus had made this clear in his teaching. It wasn't a secret. And so Jesus rebukes Judas for discouraging Mary's devotion that she may keep it, that she may hold fast to it until the day of his burial. Mark adds in his account these words of Jesus. She has not done, or she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. I think Mary knew what was coming. What makes Jesus's What makes Jesus worthy is the fact that he is the perfect Son of God who left his throne in heaven to become a man, that he might die in our places as that perfect Passover Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John writes in his first letter that we love because he first loved us. The Apostle Paul explains in Romans 5 that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Get that. While you were still sinners, while I was still a sinner, because of sin, we all acted with self-interest like Judas. And yet Christ died and rose again to pay for your sin. Before Mary could pour out that extravagant perfume, she needed to know the worth of Jesus who would give a greater gift. Jesus who would pour out his blood for many for the forgiveness of sins. If you've never received Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers, the forgiveness of sins by faith alone in him, humble yourselves. Come to his feet today. Be forgiven and welcomed into the family of God. The call to humble yourself is also a call to die that you might live. Mark 8 says that for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Tim Keller uh, has a wonderful illustration for this, he, uh, he tells of a, a rafting accident in Maine where the raft knocks a guy out into the waters and he's, he's caught in a, in a whirlpool. The rest of the raft kind of made it off to the, the, uh, the bank, the, the riverbank safely, and they could only watch from the riverbank helpless as they watch this man fighting against the, the whirlpool that's trying to pull him down, to pull him under. And the water is freezing cold. And he's struggling for, for several minutes, kind of not able to break that, uh, the, the pull of that whirlpool. And eventually he dies. Not from going under, but from hypothermia. He dies. But he gets pulled under. In just a matter of seconds, he comes out the other side safely, going down the river. And what he didn't realize was that the very thing this man thought would kill him was the only thing that would save him. That's how it is with Jesus. Becoming a Christian is not about trying harder. It's about surrender. It's not about trying, it's about dying. 
So come, surrender to Jesus, pour it all out for him who poured it all out for you. This is the worth of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus this morning. We sang earlier, Jesus saves. May that be the, 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 the song of our hearts. May we grow in our affections for Jesus as we know him more and more, as we understand the value and the worth of Jesus who gave it all for us. May we be humbled. May our love be extravagant. May we stop caring about what the rest of the world thinks about us if, as long as we have Jesus. Father, forgive us for the times when we, when we make too little of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to know your worth. And God, may, may, as we do, may we, may we be a blessing. May we be a great blessing to this world. And may the world know that everything they see in us that is good is because of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Let's all stand and...